Welcome back, folks. The Game with Sidekicks podcast this is episode number 28, the top 10 of 2020. We're going to be looking at uh, my top 10 list of 2020, the Sizek, along with my co host here. We're going to be going through some of his favorite games, what he played this year, and kind of what we're looking forward to playing next. So um, let me introduce him. This is Stuart. Stuart, how's it going today, sir? Happy New Year! Happy New Year, indeed. We're kicking off January right. Um, Getting the getting the podcast wheels back on here, and uh, we'll see how they how fell off. They, they they fell off. A <laughs> it took bit, some work to so. get it back on. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're on. They're attached, and and we are rip roaring, ready to go. So um, I guess we we can jump right in. Uh, I know Stuart, you've had some gaming here yourself um, that you've been trying out. You've been doing some solo gaming. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to do some solo gaming. We've had a a lot going on at the house and uh you know so um it's just been a little easier to do some solo games uh less pressure on my wife and still some fun for me absolutely which uh which one that you played solo have you enjoyed so far the most uh so um i've been just trying to read up on a lot of the rule books <laughs> to feel comfortable playing some of them sure. solo um because uh either i haven't played the the game at all with any players or um it's been a while since i played it so the one i decided to just jump right into which was uh crazy uh one would say was kanban uh ev so the latest uh lacerda game and uh it's been a blast it's a lot of fun it's like, everything you'd expect from a lacerda game and a you know tool uh art uh, there's tons of choices. They're all meaningful. You really have to plan ahead. Uh, you've got to go to these five different areas on the board. You're you're a, a rookie, basically, um, person working in a design center, and you're you're building cars. And uh, so you've got these five different regions where you've got to get parts, and you've got to get designs, and you've got to test the cars out to make sure they function correctly. And then you've got to uh, you know, your boss is kind of looming over you all the time and you're never good enough. And so you're always getting penalized. And her, her name is Sandra. But as Rachel called it, uh, it was if you play the mean Sandra, you actually just play the Karen version. Ooh, uh, so, that's rough. <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, I, I've never worked in a factory assembly line, so I can't really vouch to how accurate it necessarily is from that standpoint. But it feels realistic in terms of the gameplay. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, you know. We've talked about this a lot, a lot about a lot of games that you know, when the choices really feel meaningful, uh, the game is just heightened so much more. And I feel like every choice I make really has an impact on the game. And you've got other people coming over the top, and you may have been setting something up to go on your next turn or two turns later to go capture something, and someone comes right out underneath you and takes those those pieces from that specific region away. And now you're like, okay, what do I do? Like, I feel like now I'm three turns behind. And so <laughs> it's a lot of fun. The uh, the Automa is uh, masterfully done, in my opinion. I've played it solo twice now, and I've played it with four people. And nice. uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't feel any different necessarily playing it solo versus four people uh, because it's just done so well. Uh, when you play solo, you're playing with two other people, um, two AIs, basically, Lacerda and Turksy, uh, who is the person that designed the uh, the actual Automa. And it's just a blast. It's a lot of fun. Um, and you can kind of just play it at your pace, which is great. Awesome. Sounds like a good one. I uh, 
actually had that high on my list of uh, games I want to play next, and, and you went ahead and described it well. It's uh, you know one that I was very excited to kickstart. I love the theme. I love the size of it. It's it's sitting over there looming on my shelf. It with does the loom. giant. Oh man, that on Mars and Rococo are just monstrosities. So. Um, that one's that one's high on my list of ones I want to play next. Um, another one for me that I'm I'm really looking forward to trying out that I recently got is actually um, a game um, from Jeffrey Engelstein, uh, who if anybody has had opportunity to listen to the Game Tech podcast or the features of Game Tech on um, the Dice Tower podcast, they do he does a really good job. Guys, a I got to be a crazy genius uh, listening to him talk and dissect game theory and um, and all these different things that go into design but he recently put a game out through WizKids uh, called Super Skill Pinball and uh, I cracked it open, took a look at it the art looks amazing uh, it's a roll and write game that looks like it's got a hundred different things going on where you're literally like taking the pinball and bouncing it around off the paddles, off of different areas trying to make combos like you would in a, a regular pinball game if you can get the right combo going you're going to be you know, just rolling uh, dice and, and and pinballs like crazy. So, um, looks really fun. The art's great. Um, I I've had a look at a couple of recent WizKids games and been really impressed on production uh, for for these games. So, uh, this is one I'm I'm definitely looking forward to trying out because we we love a good rolling right in our house and and this one should be fun to do. Very cool. How about yourself, sir? Anything you're looking forward to playing in the near future? Uh, I have lots on the shelf of opportunity. Uh, yeah, those have been stacking up. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go with the obvious answer. I've got my title blades all in pledge, uh, looming large as well, uh, on top of my, my multiple calyx here in the game room. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to cracking that open. Um, you know, I've heard lots of, of good things and, um, you know, it, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm excited to try it out. It looks like it, there's a lot going on, and it's very colorful. And um, I know I'm gonna have to immerse myself in the rule books for a while, watch a couple playthroughs. And I mean, God bless the people that do those playthroughs. Just <laughs> I, I, I don't have the the technical wizardry to be able to set up all the cameras and script everything out. I wish I did. Maybe in a in a future life I will. <laughs> but um, man, those are just invaluable tools i don't know how i would learn some of these games without it i mean especially <laughs> going through some of these lacerta games looking at the rule books it's like oh missed that on the last playthrough okay yeah, cool sure. <laughs> yeah they're definitely... queuing up certain i like queue up certain points in the game where i know that they're <laughs> talking about this and i'll i'll encounter that in my game it's like let's go back and watch that again real quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's quite a bit going on in those games uh, like you said the the playthroughs are are fantastic uh for a lot of those that work on them Awesome. Well, like I said, uh, at the front end of this podcast, we're going to be looking at uh, my top 10 list I recently put out of games uh, that I enjoyed here in 2020. I played a lot of new-to-me games, uh, but actually ended up, I set a goal in my board game stats app to play 100 new games to me, and I played the 100th game December 31st, so I just just barely managed to, uh, to, to get that, so... Um, I've got a new one set you know, for this year. How many games play. did you play this whole year? Uh, we can, let's talk about that real quick. For 2020? Yeah. Uh, hold on, I gotta look. Uh, my 2020, I played 554 games uh, with 88 different people. Um, 
and a hundred of them were new to me. Most of us, oh, 75% of my gaming happened at my house. Um, Normally I have a list of like, probably like 40 places. I've got like, oh yeah, for sure. uh, I've got like 10 uh, on on here this year. So (laughs) I got home, I got the gamers ranch. I added virtual as a location this year. Um, So Mm. we had a ski trip in January last year. Some gaming in our game group, obviously when things were not as bad that we're not back to quite yet, but I'm still pretty happy with having played with so many different people uh, for 2020. So 2021. Yeah, I, I'm shocked how many players I had I played with as well. It, it seems I, crazy, I didn't do right? nearly as many as you in terms <laughs> of plays. I had 122 plays, okay. which uh, was, was solid for me considering it was 93 the year before. So, I mean, that's a 33% increase. Yeah, that's I'll huge. take it. It's heading in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, with uh, 50 different players. That's so awesome. that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah, and seventy percent was at home, and twenty three percent was at Gamers Ranch over yeah. one week. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'm counting really quick, and I think looking through my all game list, it looks like I played about sixty twenty twenty releases. I'm totally guesstimating off of that real quick, but it looks like around sixty ish, not counting expansions um, that were new twenty twenty releases. I actually have two 2021 games on my list. That's kind of fun um, because they're both. Where are you seeing the the year like the? Uh, that's if you go that. to if you go to games in the middle mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. games, you can arrange by year, alphabetical, recent play, and year. Oh, okay, cool. So I had two were 2021 releases because they were Kickstarter um, that I got a chance to play last year. So may make the 2021 list. We shall see. One of them probably will. So whatnot cabinet is an awesome game. Uh, but I digress. Oh. So 2020, played a a handful of new games, uh, enjoyed most, some not as many as others, but I did manage to distill them down into a top 10 list of games I really enjoyed playing this year. So we're going to go through them, I'm going to talk about them just a a little bit of each one, starting with number 10, Stuart's going to inject, he has played, I believe he said five of them, is that right? I think it was six. Six of them, perfect. So get to give some input, I know know for sure he's played... um, two of the top three so we'll, yeah boy the other ones i'm not sure i know he's played number 10 to start with so we'll jump right in at number 10 from the op games formerly usaopoly this is the only party game that made my list and party games are are what they are right like i for years didn't have a ton of party games in my collection because that's all i used to play before i you know delved head first in the hobby right like i have yeah, a shelf party pretty hard Oh, party, party. Um, <laughs> I have a shelf in my basement that's just, you know, categories and, you know, those type of games. We just don't really kick out unless we go to bigger game nights and I take them because I know there are people that only want to play that. So my party game shelf is is limited. You know, I'm looking at it right now. It's got Telestrations. It's got um, Wits and Wagers, Dixit, Cash and Guns, some of those games. But it's rare that I want to add a new game to that shelf. But... Hughes and Cues coming in at number 10 from the op uh, made that spot very quickly. Uh, Hughes and Cues ramps up really fast up to 10 players. I really think you could probably even play with more. It keeps everyone engaged around the table. It's fun. It's light. It's silly. Uh, When you play it with the same people over and over, you start to get the patterns of, oh boy, he's going to say salmon for a color. I just know it. (laughs) And, uh, and it's, and it's fun. I really like it. I We had a blast playing it at numerous player counts. I still, for me, the sweet spot for this game is eight players. Like seven to eight is perfect. Ten gets a little long in the tooth for waiting for your turn to come back around to you. 
even on the guesses, but uh, four is a little too little, but like that, that seven, eight range is perfect. So Stuart, I know you played this one. Yeah. You know, I, I had a revelation uh, playing ready. this game, it, you know, and I've never, I've talked about this before. When I play a game, I want to sit down. It's like, I want to sit down and I want to immerse myself for three hours in something. And that's why I have a trouble. Uh, that's why I have this stigma. And I talked to my wife about this. I have a problem reading because I want to be able to sit down for a, a long time and I want to be able to read because I, I, it's not that I get easily distracted, but I don't feel like I did anything if I sit down for 15 minutes and read because then I go on to the next thing and I don't feel like I really took out a big chunk of, of the book. And so sometimes I feel like that when I play the party games and I don't really feel as fulfilled for some reason. And I know it's just me in in my head. But I came to a realization that the best party games are just a little bit frustrating. (laughs) And that's what I felt with this game because it was so wide crazy. And you just had no idea. You were completely helpless as you played the game. (laughs) (laughs) Because... How you interpret a color or, or a phrase or something is completely different than your neighbor. And oh, so yeah. the frustrating aspect of not being close, especially on certain people like over and over again, was actually the entertaining part of it. <laughs> well, especially when the, if first that makes any pers- sense. especially when the first person or two has no idea what the color is and you're you're waiting on them to lead the area you should be in, which we ran to a few times. Uh, with you know random because you can say a color name but you can't say like green it has to be something more obtuse mm-hmm. and I know there was a few odd colors that the kids especially were like what what the heck is that you know and they're oh, char- even chartreuse I was. I was chartreuse like, what's that right like put it on chartreuse like what the heck where am I supposed to put this so. I could have just thrown my thing up in the air and wherever it landed that would have been chartreuse <laughs> <laughs> that would be an approach as well but it's fun it's like uh, party games to me are about the the people I'm playing them with. Right, like I, I need to. It needs to be a group that that's gonna be fun and silly, and and be a lot of like, oh my gosh, did you see or hear or see that? That's a good party game to me. Like the, oh my gosh, moments. Wavelength has that to a point for me. I, I like that one. We got to, we had a chance to play that one together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just ones that can give you this like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened kind of moment. And Hughes and Cues sits there for me. It's uh. It, yeah, and the a, better you know the people, the more you can kind of dig in. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to the, the idiosyncrasies of them as well. That, that's why I love Decrypto so much. Decrypto does the same thing. Like the better you know the group, the the more you can make these obtuse and weird, you know, things and it's it's fun. And then it's even uh, funnier sometimes when you're playing a group you don't know that well and you're like, Okay, I'm gonna make a comic book reference, but I don't know if this guy knows comics or if he only knows like there's spider-man and superman i don't know if they're in the same universe like how deep do i go with this nerd right now so mm-hmm. it's uh it's lots of fun it's a good time highly recommend it number 10 hughes and cues in the number nine spot i chose probably the most uh family weighted game on my list um i love the artwork i love the company and honestly, I feel like this one deserves to be on this list because it, I think it kind of got passed by in the hustle and bustle of a lot of other games coming out this year. Um, at number nine, I put 20th Century Games Jurassic Parts. And I love it. I love how simple and, and easy it is to jump into this game. 
I love the, it reminds me of the game we used to play as kids where you'd have, you draw little dots on a grid and draw a line, then I draw a line, then you draw a line. And if we make a, whoever completes the square puts their initial in it. Like there's this push your luck of trying to finish an area, but not finish it too soon. Uh, it's just, it was a fun, easy, light game. The families all enjoyed it that we, I played it with. And it's one that uh, 25th Century Games, they like said they just keep making better and better quality product. I continue to be impressed by the the work they put out over there. Yeah, I agree with all the sentiments. You know, I got a review copy of that before they launched their Kickstarter. And uh, same thing, you know, played it with a group of friends. And um, yeah, it, it kind of fits for everybody's um, a wide range in terms of age and, and skill sets. And uh, it's a lot of fun, like you said, and, and it's simple. It's simple, yet there's there's uh, decisions to make during the game, you know, that can really sway things one way or the other. And so it's lighthearted, but you can, if you want to, you can kind of, you know, um, tighten the screws a little bit at the end if you want. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. It, it is very lighthearted. But yes, I, I do love that it can be, it can be as aggressive if you want it to be uh, in mm. a game. But you don't have to be, right? If you're playing it with younger yeah. kids, it can be something that can can be a little less perfect that's number nine number eight comes in from burnt island games Uh, this is one that i had a chance to play in at origins 2019 uh, with jt and Jin and my son ethan we signed up uh, for the preview of this we had all just backed it on kickstarter the three of us and wanted to try it out and so we got to play a, a version of this. We signed up for the group. I remember we showed up in the play area. We saw the prototype. It looked really cool. I honestly backed this one just on Burnt Island game alone, not necessarily. I, I'd be very honest, very transparent here. When I back Kickstarters, I don't really go through and watch all the videos and read all the comments. I'm just like, yeah, I like this company. Oh, this theme seems pretty cool. I'm going to back it. <laughs> and, and that's bit me in the butt a few times, but it's also had me get some pretty cool games. Um, so... We went and, and went to go sit down to play this, and they're like, uh, yeah, we accidentally booked two groups at the exact same time to play this, so if you guys could come back in like a couple hours, we're like, no, we can't come back in a couple hours. We have our next thing we're scheduled for. So they cobbled together um, the stuff to, to put another board. I guess they went over <laughs> to their main booth, found a prototype board, and just got a bunch of little resource pieces and and uh, basically said, here you go, we managed to find enough, we can get you going. So and that was fun. We just wanted to try it. It was a full playthrough of it. And uh, I really didn't know anything about it. And as soon as I saw those polyominoes on the board, In the Hall of the Mountain King jumped on my cannot wait to play this list. And that's coming in for us here at number eight. In the Hall of the Mountain King from Burnt Island Games is one of the more involved, and I don't want to use the word involved uh, in a negative way, but as far as polyomino games go, your Tetris piece games, this one is probably one of the um, deeper games that uses these pieces. It's not a a simple game where you're just arranging the pieces on the board. It's not a Ubongo uh, type of game. It's it's definitely got some some strategy to it. It's got some weight to it. The troll smoots, the way you collect resources are one of the coolest cascading aspects in a board game I've ever seen. I really Have you ever seen this. a cascading no. mechanism like that before? Yeah, no, I mean, it was just so unique. And and once you did it, you're like, duh, this is amazing. Why <laughs> we, why isn't this in other games? <laughs> well, and, then you, and you also saw like, oh, 
okay, I can see the strategy behind this mechanism, right? And having to learn to play that was part of the fun of this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, it's this is great. One. And this is another one um, that has a solo uh, component to it. And it's it's great. I've done, I think, four, I think three or four um, kind of games on the campaign. They have a campaign that you can do. And every time uh, you play a game, uh, if you win, it gets harder. So you add another card element to it um, that's going against you that, you know, um, makes things harder for you to do things or puts you at a disadvantage again. And um, they've got all the different characters that you can kind of play as and play against. Um, There's just a lot of really cool things going on there. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before, but the (laughs) replayability of this game is really, really high. Yeah, it's a it's a good good when you get to the table multiple times. Like you said, it's not it's a different game each time you play it. Um, there's some of those I can't remember the card name, the big cards that you pay the gems to use, um, the extra power cards, whatever they are. Some yeah. of those are are way better than others. Uh, and there's <laughs> yeah. there's certain ones that you're just like, gosh, I hope this is coming out, or okay, I guess I'll use this just to get rid of it. Get and, rid of it, yeah. Right. So that's and that's fun. And I like that variability in a game. Uh, but it's uh, it's a solid, solid game. Burn Island Games making quality product. Uh, their collaboration with Grand Gamers Guild uh, with Endeavor courses one of our very favorite games all around the board. And uh, this one does not disappoint. I will say I fully expect their next release to be on my top 10 of 2021. I'm just going to say it now. I've played it only on Tabletop Simulator, but I loved it and it was unique just like this one was. And that's uh, In Too Deep, which should be coming sometime this year. So cannot wait to play that one again. So good. But... For now, 2020 in the Hall of the Mountain King comes in at number eight. Next up is one I know Stuart has not played yet. Um, I do not think he backed it either. I did not back this either. Um, I waited to kind of see what the buzz was going to be about it, and it (laughs) caught some serious, serious buzz uh, once this came out. Uh, Elf Creek Games, our friends over there, sent us a review copy of this and gave me a chance to play the number seven game, Honey Buzz, uh, which is one of the cooler tile lane games that I played this year. You have these hex, double hex tiles that kind of look like peanuts as you're building the hives. It's it's really interesting from an abstract standpoint. You cannot play this game flying by the seat of your pants. I am a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gamer. I We'll make plans and games, and we'll talk about that, especially for my number one pick. But this game will not allow you to just go, oh, I'll just pick this piece and put it here and see what happens. Like You've got to plan multiple steps ahead in this abstract game. Uh, you're making beehives. You're filling them with nectar. You're producing honey and pollen. It's got some awesome components. It's got the squishy honeys, similar like you're talking about with Tidal Blades, where it has like the squishy fruit. These things look like little honey drops and pieces it's it the art on it is awesome it reminds me of like a raccoon tycoon uh but less like proper as those pieces are (laughs) uh as those uh animals are i mean um they could have themed this anything but the bee theme fits perfectly it puts it on the table my wife loves it because it's cute and it's pretty and it's you know it's got like theme that's fun and i know she'll be more likely to play that this is one i bet we've played her and I alone have 
player. I've probably played it, you know, six, eight times in the last month since I've had it. So really, really enjoy this one. Uh, Honey Buzz, and it hits right at that perfect, like, it's not too long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. You get a, a lot of game in that hour range. You did not back this, did you? No, no, I didn't. Yeah, highly, highly recommend. I, th- I could see Rachel really enjoying enjoying this one. Okay. Next up, that was our number seven. Next up is number six. Number six was a 2020 release, as in like January 1st, 2020, I believe. Uh, it just made the cut for 2020. And this one I know you've played. Um, this one I backed you... Backed, I believe, mm-hmm. as, yep. yes, you backed as well uh, from our friends over at um, Skybound Games and Druid City Games. This is Sorcerer City in the number six spot. It is the tile laying, time uh, racing game that I never thought I needed and can't imagine not having. Uh, this this one's going to have a long term place in my collection. This game is never the same game. It always changes up. The The strategy can be a little different each time you play. Um, JT fully disagrees with me on that and thinks there is one way to win this, but I've seen it done multiple ways. Uh, but I th- really, really enjoy the tiles. Um, Scott Caputo, who does the tiling design on this, just a master with tiling games. He also did the 100 Tory from Pencil First this year that was like at my number 11 spot this year. Um, just great tiling game aesthetically pleasing uh, the detail is is awesome and those victory point tokens are the best in any game from this year period they just stay on the table this they're great i mean they're you can use them as as coins you can use them as victory point tokens like they they're just pretty honestly i wish i would have just got another box of them when he still had them going uh, i still like my uh, my clay is a little bit more, just a little more, but these are still pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's easy to teach. Um, you know, people that are have been in the in the gaming world for a while have probably played Carcassonne, so you can kind of just kind of relate it to that a little bit, um, and so they feel more comfortable playing it. Uh, there's a great solo, uh, can be you know solo version of it that you can play. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just everything about it was done, uh, as a 10, you know, components, gameplay, rule book, uh, everything. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And like some of the other timed games that have come out, you don't have to necessarily play it with the timed version, or you can, you know, have a lot of time at the beginning and, and kind of extend it or, or decrease it as you get more comfortable with the game. I think that, you know, the app that has the timer has three different versions in terms of the length of time that you can have. Um, so there's a there's a level in there and there's a, a, a version of playing that's comfortable for any play style. Yeah, it's I, I do think that's important to note the 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 comfort level and difficulty can really change this game and how you play it. Like it's a very different game at one minute versus three minutes. Yeah. And once you realize that the point of it, when you play at those smaller durations is that you shouldn't be getting through your entire stack on the third and fourth round. 
um, then you kind of get at ease a little bit about it. And that's that's part of it. It's the unknown. What is going to come up? It's the, well, do I just buy one tile here at the end that make sure it's really, really good and hope and get it? Or do I buy a bunch of tiles that maybe mesh with a color side that I'm really going after? and just flood it and just throw stuff everywhere you know so there's lots of lots of things to consider and lots of strategies oh yeah maybe. <laughs> hmm. for sure for sure is this one have a solo mode i don't know if it does yeah it does do, yeah have you tried it yeah i've done it yeah it's great yeah very cool game i even like the storage for this i thought the storage was done really well for something that's mm-hmm. got a million tiles in it <laughs> yeah i don't uh, i don't worry about putting it sideways if i have to Yes, good good point, sir. Yeah, mine's yeah. mine's sideways, and I'm not worried it's going to be a, a big old mess <laughs> when I flip that over. <laughs> so that's our six through ten. Uh, that's my six through ten. So um, moving on to my top five, and in my five spot is uh, a game I got a chance to preview at PAX 2019 last year. Uh, this was back when we were. Still doing conventions. The last one. The last one. The last one, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, So PAX 2019, I had to sample this over at Leader Games table. Leader Games known for Vast and known very much so for Root, um, both great asymmetrical games, uh, had this card game sitting on the table. And they said, hey, this is coming from us next year. It's going to be, you know, compact box, same artist, their in-house artists uh, as they did for Root and Vast. Uh, and it's about being a kid, playing on the playground with your friends, and building the best fort. So number five is Fort from Leader Games. This is a deck builder that does deck building different. And in a world where Dominion and company have done deck building games ad nauseum, I love a good deck builder. But there's not a lot of variety in that genre. Clank was probably the last one to really change it up. And even then, Clank just smashed together deck building with um, dungeon crawling. The deck building for Fort is unique in that you got to play your cards, but you lay out the cards you don't use, so you run the risk in between your turns of somebody else stealing your cards. And then you can also pony onto somebody else's play. So if I play a card and Stuart's like, well, I really like that card, I want to play it too, with the right card in my hand, I can do what he's doing. So there's a copycat aspect both of which i'd never seen mm-hmm. in deck building used um, well, so i really like flotilla it. a little bit uh yeah to the to well flotilla you lets copy you copy a card yeah let you yeah. copy one card this is a all yeah. the time even when it's not your turn you can wow uh, copy an action somebody else is doing if you have a card that matches it so it lessens the card you'll have mm-hmm. in your hand by gets back to your turn but the, the thing this game does really well that um is one of my wife's biggest pet peeves is it keeps people who are distracted during a game, you're going to lose. Like, you've got to be paying attention to what other people are doing on their turn to know if you should use a card. Um, it, it really, really uh, helps keep everybody kind of tuned into the game at once. So the art's great. The little kids all have different nicknames and silly things. Um, <laughs> for a $25 game, this thing is super solid. The boards are recessed. It's got little wooden bits of, like, pizza and toys. Um, it's just it's just a really really good game. Leader Games continues to. There's not a bad game that they have put out, albeit they have not put out a lot of games yet. But the quality they put out is 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 absolutely amazing, and this firmly has a place at the number five spot on my list. 
Yeah. You said a trigger word right there for me, which was recessed. Uh, board. Recessed boards. <laughs> yeah. It's a trigger word now because I guess I'm an elitist snob, but oh my God. <laughs> if, if like, because Kanban EV has the recessed boards and oh my God, does it make a difference? Right. And when yeah, it's, it's like, don't please don't make me go to BGG or Meeple, whatever source and all this stuff and buy like inserts for my like things to put on top of the board or that, the, you know, the individual cards and stuff like that to create recess stuff. It's like, just do it. Yeah. Just just do it. Yeah, that's it's the, worth um, it. You know, it is. <laughs> that's the uh, the Mars. What's the other? The stronghold. On Mars, Mars has it. Yeah, well, no, it's, the, it's the stronghold game. Ter- the um terraforming terraforming mars where yeah. it just it's just awful without some it's awful it's board. it's impossible to play yeah. without the the clear <laughs> insert or the overlay do you have do you have the azul <laughs> ones i really want to get the azul ones but i haven't gotten those yet i haven't gone that far because i feel like that was a little easier to to make work yeah i'd agree i i think the recess but if they had it it would just it would put it over the top too maybe yeah. uh yeah so, I think I they they had a expansion recently from Azul that included the recess boards. Yes, I did see that. I just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, same. It, it's one that honestly, like if I was walking down the um, down the uh, path at at Origins and saw it sitting there at Plan B's booth, I would grab it, no question. Mm-hmm. But I haven't, yeah, gone. Through it, it's a it's it. a bit size to quantity of bits on your board ratio. Sure. I think, yeah, you know, the, the tiles on Azul are large enough and you don't have as many of them that it's not, it doesn't quite push it over the, the bar for me, but a Lacerda game, you you have to. <laughs> and they do, it's great. <laughs> it's not a bump the table on your game's toast. Yeah, exactly. Moment. Yeah, it's like, awesome. oh no, where'd the, where'd the metals go? And oh no, where'd my oxygen go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's horrible. Uh, perish the thought. Yes. Uh, so that's our number five fort. Number four is a game from uh, AEG, and theme for me is like uh, it's like middle of the road. Like it's I like theme. Theme does not make or break a game for me. I will play just about any theme, but if a theme is good, it makes the game that much better to me. And so one. Th- particular theme i'm not that interested in is cats i don't really care for cats i don't go to games because they have cats in them um just i'm a dog guy that's who i am you know if you have a problem steward at game of sidekicks.com so so you're not uh, watching blossom's new show about cats i don't even know <laughs> no probably not <laughs> <laughs> that being said i played two really good cat games this year uh one of them that didn't make my list but was probably top 15 uh, was the Isle of Cats. Solid polyomino game with cats. Really enjoyed the puzzle aspects of that. Number four from AEG is Calico, which is probably, looking at my list real quick, the best abstract game I played all year. It is a game that will be on my shelf for a long time. I don't see it going away. And in fact, I think this will be a, fl- uh, a tentpole for AEG for years to come. Um, this is not a game they will ever put out of print. This game has has heft to it. It's difficult enough and challenging enough without being, you know, like overcomplicated. 
but it is one I can sit down and play with a couple people and still just have some good casual conversation. It's a lot of fun, um, and I, I highly, highly recommend this if you're into abstract, puzzly games like we mentioned, like an Azul-type game. This would be right in the window stuff you enjoy. Have you played this? Meow. <laughs> Have you played this one? <laughs> no. No? Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought maybe you had. I, I wasn't I No, no. I never, haven't played this one, but man, that cat looks comfortable on the right? cover. Oh, man. man I, wish I, I wish I ever, like, I just want to feel that relaxed ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the art in this, even though it's cats, because it is my favorite board game artist. Um, number two, two is Ian O'Toole. Number two, uh, number two is Ian O'Toole. But number one has always been Beth Sobel for me, and this is Beth Sobel art. She just does a phenomenal job. Um, first, kind of really learned about her with uh, games like Viticulture, and um, just good, good stuff. Uh, aesthetically pleasing artwork. So that is number four. Number three. So we're into our top three. Um, I know for certain Stuart's played this. I have played this one with Stuart. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw this at the beginning of the year, you know, first quarter. I remember it was a, hey, this company makes a ton of games. They make a ton of IP games. And I remember seeing the IP and thinking, eh, pass. I will show it to Stuart because he might have some interest in his house. This is Funko Games and Prospero Hall's Pan Am in my number three spot. Stuart, why did this have any interest in your home and uh, did it hit uh, like it should have in your home? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, my wife's an AV geek. Uh, AV is an aviation, not, you know, audiovisual. <laughs> uh, and so she works in the airline industry. And so when I showed her this, when I, yeah, Isaac posted it to our Slack channel and I showed her that and she geeked out. So, of course, I had to, you know, run to Target and get it because it was a Target exclusive for a bit. And um, it, it's great. Um, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times. I think we've we podcasted about it and Isaac's got his write up and we've done a review of it written as well. And it's just it hits on every level. Um, it, it's wildly different depending on how many players you have, two, three or four. Um, I'm not sure I've played many games that are that strikingly different. <laughs> Um, at, at the player size, um, right. you know, usually you've got one that's, you know, it's usually like two to four, two to five, and there's like a sweet spot where it just kind of hums a little bit better. This one's like a different game <laughs> yeah. no, from two players versus four players, totally um, because your options are, are dim- almost cut in half. Um, you know, at the two player version, you get five, um, basic opportunities to put something out on the board, three players, you get four and, and the four players, you get three. And so it, you just have to be really strategic where you put stuff and you can get kicked out of areas. And so it's it's a blast, um, you know, it plays quickly. Everything's there's meaningful decisions. It's kind of a press your luck variant uh, when you're buying the stocks at the end. You're like, well, will the stock go up? Will the stock go down? Can I wait till the next turn to get something? And all of a sudden the stock price doubles and your whole plan's kind of blown up. And um, so, yeah, it's just there's a lot of different things going on and you never really feel like you've got control of it until the end. And you just kind of flip a coin. and You're like, oh, how'd I do? Just flip a coin, hope for the best and <laughs> a little and bit. Make sure. But but there's so much, like you said, of, of that variability that um, I think that makes this game stand out for its uniqueness. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it is. It just it hums. It's just it's a very smooth game. The first time I played it, I did not care for it. We didn't score a lot of points. I just wasn't I wasn't figuring it out. And then you start to get the rhythm of this game. And I think I like quadrupled the points I scored the first time by the time I played it the third time. Because you start to see, okay, here's how this puzzle unlocks. Here's why you do this, and here's why you make this decision. And um, it is, it's a lot of fun. It, the AV aviation part doesn't really do much for me, but I appreciate that they did such a nice job with that. I love the artwork because it just screams, you know, um, Mad Men, 1950s, early 60s ads. Um, it just fits that so perfectly. I love that the map's true to that time, that the areas are named what they were named at the time, um, which <laughs> sets it apart. And your wife even said that even the tower, right? Was it the towers that were like, oh, this is like exactly like correct, right? Well, yeah, just some of the mechanisms of trading um, some of your, your cards to get other cards and, and you know, really does have to do with you know it's like oh okay well i have you know first right and second right and third right you know flying privileges here and so i have that because i'm this close or i have a territory here and i fly there so i can now trade this territory to get to the next territory over it's like some of that is actually true to how aviation works and where you are allowed to fly in terms of regulation so cool it's just i loved i love to see the commitment to the the game and like I said, theme isn't my number one thing by any means, but when it's done right, oh man, it just makes a good game that much better. Yep. That is the number three spot. Again, that's Pan Am from uh, Funko and Prospero Hall. Down to the top two. I bounced these two back and forth um, quite a bit. Uh, actually, had... I knew what you would land on. I We all knew. Yeah, but I had them switched... Um, I did have them switched. I recorded another podcast with a couple other uh, gaming groups with One Board Family and the Family Gamers. And even going into that, I had these switched until we were sitting there and I was like, "Ah, I'm going to switch them back. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Number two, however, deserves in any other year to be number one. I do not care if people do not think this is a 2020 release. They can at me. At again, Stuart at gameofsidekicks.com, uh, or actually just email me at jt at gameofsidekicks.com. So, is this a great. 2019 release? <laughs> no, uh, people think this is a 2016 release or whatever year it originally. Oh, because came it's out. a reprint, yes. So, oh, this okay. is uh, our priority know what I'm talking about Eagle Griffin Games Rococo Deluxe Edition, originally printed, I believe, in 2016. It might be off by a year, um, and then had. Pff, few expansions come out went out of print this last year they released this through eagle griffin as a a buy it as is it wasn't kickstarted it wasn't something you you know were waiting for things to come out it was everything it was every expansion for the game plus extra material it was different uh there's some different mechanisms from the original game the art is completely different some of the mechanics in the game are a little bit different um, and the components are all brand new. This game, like we were saying earlier, is a monster sitting on the shelf next to On Mars and Kanban. It's the same size. I think it's heavier than On Mars. It has so much stuff in it. On a side note, I still would love to see much better storage for these Eagle Griffin games. Um, but 
that's like the if that's the only thing I have to complain about, then I think we're doing all right. Or at least the the picture of what it should be. <laughs> right, or at least the picture. <laughs> um, Rococo is a dress making game where you play a tailor, you make beautiful dresses, you send them on elegant people to a grand ballroom, or you sell them to make money to continue your tailoring business. There's two guys I usually play with. There's a video playthrough of this uh, from the three of us on our Facebook page that I told them the theme, I told them the game. They're like, you're kidding me. We're not playing a dressmaking game. I'm like, I'm telling you, (laughs) just give it a chance. And when they played it, they're like, oh my gosh, can we play this again right now immediately? Like it's just, it's smooth and it's, it's the card play. The card play is the same as Concordia. If you've ever played that, which, uh, also similar uh, a little bit like Stuart was just saying with Flotilla where you've got a hand uh, card or you've got a deck but you're playing certain cards and then the next round you have to pick from the cards you haven't played and your deck doesn't recycle until you've played through all the cards you haven't played so there's some definite jockeying of when do I play this card do I need it this round do I need it next round I'm not going to see it again for two rounds um there's adding cards, which really change up the game. There are many ways to win this, and I've seen it done a handful of different ways already. Such a fun game. I highly, highly recommend this. If you've never had a chance to play it, get a copy. Find somebody who has a copy. Um, Rococo Deluxe Edition is well-deserving to me of this number two spot on my list. Love also, it. One, also, when you have not, not had the opportunity to play it, correct? I have not. I've I've had it on my screen on their website twice. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, maybe this will be the uh, one that the Fantasy Football League uh, purchases for me since I won our league. <laughs> so I had to throw that in there. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to, to decide what you wanted. So. 12 and 1. <sighs> yep. It was, it was an off year and we knew things weren't going to be right. So we, I figured no one actually deserving would win the title so there it is smoked ya <laughs> sore loser right here <laughs> he's pointing at himself my crappy team and my number one pick who did nothing this year <sighs> the one yep. week I had I'm totally digressing here but the one week I being a Lions homer I had my Lions players I had Adrian Peterson on my bench and had uh, Swift uh Starting and I was like, I'm gonna switch these. I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna start Swift. <laughs> AD scores like three two weeks touchdowns. in a row. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna switch them. The next week, Swift scores the touchdowns. I'm gonna switch them back. The next week, AP scores the touchdowns. Each week, there were two, at least two touchdowns by the one I didn't start. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just, this is just stupid, stupid, stupid. I just want to say that I won a fantasy championship with David Montgomery, David Johnson, and Kareem Hunt. <laughs> well, this was this was the <laughs> as year my to... running backs. This was the year to win with crap. So, yep. <laughs> Josh Allen, baby. Josh Allen. Woo! We're going to do it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Deep sigh. And come back to where I was. Well, we're, right. we're talking. We're about to talk about number one. So I had to put my number yeah. one out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And in the number one spot, <laughs> AKA the conductor with our the champion, the fantasy league, the number one game for me in 2020. Like I said, it, it went back and forth, but similar to what Stuart said, he knew this, this was going to rise to the top for me. Um, there's not a lot of introduction for this. Eagle Griffin games on Mars is one of the deepest, most complex games I've ever played. It makes my head hurt 
playing this game, uh, but I love it. I love the challenge. I love the difficulty. I love the aesthetics. I love the theme. Like everything just feels right in this game when you play it. Um, I played it wrong probably half a dozen different times trying to learn it, trying to master it. Like Stuart said, there's a lot to take in with these. But I think that, that that's games. just how you have to learn how to play that game. Yeah. I don't think there's any way you could possibly play it right the first two times. I can't imagine. <laughs> it's I, I got... just too much. It actually made my uh, 10 for 10 for 2020. That's I amazing. This, I played this 10 times um, for as heavy of a game as it was. Uh, my favorite memory of playing this was teaching it to Stuart and then him immediately wanting to play it again the next day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of game to play two days in a row. Um, Especially but... when you start at like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But but it's fun. It's great. It's like I said. It's heavy. The only game I played that's even close to as heavy as this is uh, Food Chain Magnate, and um, it's it, you know it. Somebody said not too long ago. Uh, I want to say I don't remember who said it, but for for you know tool games, there's not a lot of choices. There's a lot of decision making though, and so on Mars doesn't have like hundreds and hundreds of choices that you have to make. You've got a few different actions you can take on your side of the board. But then when you start adding in these secondary actions and you add in all the decision-making that goes in with, if I do this, then I have to do this, 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 and this the next four turns. It's such a brain burner of what you need to do and what you can do. If you're a casual, I just want to try a few things and see what happens game. You are going to get trucked in this game. Um, You can get behind, I don't. I still think there's ways to come around from getting too far behind in this game. Unlike a, let's say, like a food chain magnate, there's a point where you just you're gonna lose that game. Um, what's the other one with the pipes? Uh, pipeline. Pipeline. Pipeline's another one where if you get too far behind in that game, you're just you're done. Like you're not coming back from that. Um, from our experience, uh, or you're just steward. You just you know run tables on that game the first time you play it, and never play it again. Uh, that's a true story. <laughs> JT actually wants to play it with Jazz over streaming Oof. this weekend, or Jazz Oof. wants to play it. He wants to play that of Barrage, and I don't own Barrage, so it's like Pipeline. I was like, oh, it's been 18 months since I've played that. Um, Oof. sure. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah. It's good. It's a solid game. Um, you know, I, I know Stuart, you you've had a chance to play on Mars a couple times. Have you played the solo? You have played the solo, right? So I'm getting ready to. Um, that's on my list of solos to do and review and talk about. Um, it. I'm really really looking forward to it. Um, I feel like I'm kind of in the in the mindset now after doing Kanban uh, a couple times, and so. Um, you know, it's it, it's cool to go back and forth between those two games because the art, you know, Eno tool is the same, and so it's the same colors, and so it just pops off the board. It's so it's it's so invigorating from a color standpoint as well. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it, I, I forget exactly how you turn that phrase in terms of the decision making. It's like there's not a lot of decisions, but then within it, it it's you know, it, it's it's just nuts, and just the. The part that gets me is the interaction between the players, how I can ha- I can interact with your cards and your abilities. If I have like the scientist or the engineer or, or whatever, I, you right. know, if I have those people and you have those cards, I can utilize those abilities. And it's just 
I've you know, like you said, your, your brain hurts. I've never had to think so much about something and how to strategize wh- how I'm going forward with it, you know, and with Kanban, you know, it's like there's only five zones. And then in those zones, there's only like one or two things you can do. It's just trying to align them all up and get there, you know, and there's a kind of it's a little bit um, like Trickeria and a little bit in the Kanban one where if you get there first, you can do more. And then if you get there second, you can you can't do as much. Um, there's not necessarily that here, but once you go somewhere, the other person can't even do it. Right. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. So yeah, there's just, there's so much to think about. It's so rewarding. Even if you get trucked, it's still (laughs) rewarding in that sense where it's like, Hey, I kind of figured out I had a little groove there. I had an engine going and man, it was fun. So, so you've, you played on Mars and Rococo Eagle Griffin. Um, both of those games and then I've played Kanban. So I've played two of the three. You've played two of the three. When I'm looking at BGG, which one do you think is rated higher, Rococo or on Mars? Rating what like fan rating? Yeah. Probably Rococo. It's been around a lot longer. Yeah, it's an eight five versus an eight three. But there's also fifty three hundred ratings for On Mars, and there's only four hundred and forty ratings for <laughs> Rococo. Oh, look at the original Rococo and see what oh, the original. rating is for that, because there's probably a ton of most of the ratings are probably off of. Yeah, and then you can tell me what year. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, I was off. Yeah. But, oh, okay. Yeah, there's seventy four hundred on that, and it's a seven six. Okay, so it is a little lower rated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they're they're both and and it was. Um, you know, both both solid games. Finding that first one was impossible until they reprinted it. Um, it was definitely a crazy. I mean, it was going for a couple hundred dollars, I think, for the base game um, mm. to find it. And I I actually remember seeing the artwork for this when it came out and thinking like, pass. I was just starting <laughs> to get, like. I think that might have been my first year at Origins. Uh, maybe fourteen was, and I remember looking at the artwork like dress making game. Are you serious? No, thank you. What the heck? <laughs> where's the Where's the giant Catan that I'm here to play? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's it it is what it is. It's different. It's yeah, you know, everything's changed around. But yeah, solid solid game. Um, Eagle Griffin does not make bad games either. In my experience, I mean, I've really enjoyed uh, what we played from them. Um, and I've enjoyed the you know tool games I've had. Or yeah, I mean, Blasterda games I've had a chance to play. I don't think I could name any other Eagle Griffin games, but yeah, whatever they do, it, that's kind of a an instant buy now. It seems just because it's uh, the the three that we just talked about today. I mean, just awesome. Yeah, did you back their other? Um, was it Kickstarter? Their their like smaller version of? Um... Um, it starts with an M. I know what you're talking about, though. Uh, uh, Mercado something. Yes, that's Lisbo- it. That... Mercado de Lisboa. Yeah. Did you back that? I did not. I did not um, either. That's one I, I will probably Because I think I just want to get Lisboa. Yeah. And just do that. I want to do the, the, the full one. <laughs> but yeah, I've had a chance to play that um, from them. I, I look forward to, or I've, I've done Escape Plan, which I, I enjoy, mm-hmm. but I would need to play a couple more times. Uh, their small box games are really good. Um, like For Sale is theirs. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I didn't realize that. <laughs> ro- um, I did do that, and I got the expansion, I think. Uh, Roll Through the Ages, Ink and Gold. Um, there's another one called Money that's pretty good. They're, they're small box games. Mm. Um, they recently took and did the U.S. printing of 
Tag City. So that's under their yeah um, their family of games. Now Brass is them, I believe. Right? No, is it? Do you have Brass? Uh, I do not. Uh, I th- no Brass. Uh, no Brass is Roxley because it's the Clays. Never mind. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's some solid ones in that list. The Gallerist is another mm, one. I'm, I'm waiting for some Roxley stuff to come in here soon. Yeah, some good stuff. Age of Steam is them. So a lot of good choices. Um, but but yeah, um, solid games. Eagle Griffin, with my number one and number two spot, firmly uh, deserving on Mars at my number one. So those are my top ten. So you had a some comments on the six. Were there any other games uh, that you wanted to kind of that you wanted to throw in some some love to for twenty twenty here? Yeah. So for twenty twenty, some of the ones that um, now that I can sort so easily through this, it was really easy to to see the rest of them. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, we didn't really talk about any expansions or anything, but you know, the best expansion I played was the Endeavor Age of Expansion. That was just fantastic. Sure. Um, you know, I. I really enjoyed uh, the search for planet X. I thought that was a really, really fun deduction game. I I haven't really done a lot of the deduction games. Um, There's a, you know, an element of you have to have a tablet or a phone as well to do it. I hadn't really played with many games like that. I know some people that's like an instant no, but it was done really, really well. Um, It's fun to sit around and, and play a game where there actually is some conversating going back and forth. Um, even though it's not a co-op, I thought that was really fun and interesting. Um, components were good. It's simple, um, but it was um, it was a little deep. You know, you really had to figure out and kind of crack the nut open to, to figure out what was going on. I, I enjoyed that that one uh, a lot. And um, Rallyman GT was was a fun one. Um, Where did you play? I, did, you, did you play that at? At uh... No, I've got it. Um, a buddy of mine kickstarted it. I turned a buddy of mine onto it. Uh, he kickstarted it, and he played it a couple times. And then when the pandemic happened, um, I just went to my local game store and bought it, and we played it over a stream a couple times, and it was fun. Um, there's some cool uh, variant ways of playing it that people have come up with on um, on Reddit and on BGG <laughs> um, in terms of how to use the dice a little bit uh, to feel more wild <laughs> with your driving and how you use some of the dice, which was, was fun to do. So, yeah, I'm really excited to try that one. It's on my list of ones I want to play. I am all in on, um, on, um, the other driving one. I just forgot the name. Um, shoot. I just got the, Oh, downforce. Downforce. Um, yeah. Downforce is amazing. I got all the maps for it for Christmas is like one of the only things I asked for game wise. But uh, I've heard really good things with Rallyman too, so I'm looking forward to, mm-hmm. to com- comparing them. Yeah, the Rallyman one's cool because you just make your own board. You just have yeah. all the pieces and you slide it. together and make whatever you want. So and you can actually do bridges that go over and all kinds of stuff too. So yeah, awesome. So some good. Anything else on your list? Uh, no, I think that, that about sums it up, I think. Perfect. So some good games. 2020 was, uh, the year it was, um, you know, not, it was ideal. a year, <laughs> not ideal, not, um, didn't get to go on my, you know, twice a year, um, nerd camps that I like to go to with no origins and no packs, but got to play some games with friends that we normally don't get to see. Um, got to, to still enjoy some good games at home with a family, probably way more 
games that I might have played directly with my kiddos um, as I was stuck at home with them and they had no choice. So um, <laughs> they, uh, there's a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of change. Uh, got back into a few different things. Got back into Magic: The Gathering uh, this year. That's where most of my con money went to. So we'll see how long that keeps up. Uh, but um, lots of fun stuff. Recommend you check out this top ten list. Make sure you get over to uh, our website where you can find an article about this. Um, I'm currently counting them down on our Instagram page as well right now. So uh, I think that's about it. So I want to thank you for joining us over here at Gaming with Sidekicks on our podcast here. You can find more, like I said, over on our website, reviews, previews, interviews, and so much more over at www.gamingwithsidekicks.com. Please make sure you follow us on our social media pages as well over at Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook where we have our main page along with a Gaming with Sidekicks board game community page. Uh, please do join us over there. That is where we do almost all of our giveaways. Uh, we recently gave away a couple games from 25th Century. Uh, we gave away a copy of Endangered from Grand Gamers Guild. We'll have a few more giveaways coming in the near future here uh, that I'm trying to line up as well. And um, I may have just got a extra game in the mail that I'm going to give away too. So keep an eye on those also. Um we really enjoy the time we get to spend with you. Thank you for choosing us. We know there are lots of different podcasts out there, and we appreciate that you could have chosen any of them, but that you chose to listen to us. So from all of us, Randy, JT, myself, Isaac, and Stuart, we want to thank you for joining us, and we want to encourage you to keep playing those games you like with the people you love. Stuart, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Always a pleasure. Indeed. So we'll talk to you guys next time. So is that your settled on game? Because I was going to give you to the end of the month and then just send you like a, a box of munchkin stuff and say that was your prize for winning the <laughs> the fancy football this year um i mean i i haven't i haven't thought about it a ton yet um it's a good it's a good pick it's a good pick yeah i probably should pick something that's more playable on a on a whim but with rachel uh, but but you know you can buy those easier. This is this yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this is a this bunch is for of me. Us, uh, she hates yeah, fantasy is, football. Why should I appease her with this? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> this is a big. This is gonna be a big game purchase. So it's something you enjoy. I mean, if you do, you if go. you do decide, you know that you you just want a box. I have a, a big old box over here of um, Magic: The Other and Commons that I'm realizing mm. are are like you know dead leaves on the dirty ground here. I can't get rid of them. So nice. I could just send you a box of magic and uh, dice master commons. Send all that to Ooh, you. Yeah. Wow. What would I, um, you know, my, my three-year-old's almost uh, riding a bike now. So those commons could come in <laughs> handy put between the wheel spikes. Uh, I'm sorry that you don't have any extras yourself. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, no, no room for them. I guess I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> that happens. All right.